1: and Broadcasting Company presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for today is called The Man Who Knew Everything. How do you do? (laughs) That's just a matter of speaking, isn't it, when I know perfectly well how you do. I know you're all right, except for the weather and all that. I... I should have said, how do you... No, I mean, good day. Yeah, that's better. I... Excuse me just a moment. I know who that is. Hello. Yes. Yes, I know. Why, the name of the mystery tune is Interlude Dramatique by Piero Coppola, who was formerly conductor of the Paris Conservatoire Orchestra. Thank you, I know. A brand new automobile. Two refrigerators. Yes. 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 Yes, I know. Yes, thank you, but you forgot a dozen pair of chromium-plated stilts. Yes, thank you. No, I'm not very excited, thank you. I knew I was going to win the jackpot. Yes. And send everything to my home. That's always the way it is. They're so surprised when I know the answers. I can't really help it, you see. I know everything. It's a little awkward at times, knowing everything. And sometimes I find it difficult to explain. You see, I never know anything until I think about it. My goodness, some of the things I think about. I'll be sitting here, for instance... Just idling away the time, and all of a sudden I think, what is the square root of 777? It's 27.6747+. plus. Ornamental, but hardly useful. Mr. Willis Cooper's telephone number in Chicago in 1922 was Buckingham 1570. Interesting. Mrs. Dorothy Neely of Woodland Hills, California, has a dog named Kilty, a Scottish Terrier. Ernest Chappell went to North High School in Syracuse. Joseph Silverman of New York City speaks Chinese. I don't know who that is. Hello. Yes, I know it's the Weather Bureau. Tomorrow will be fair and colder, moderate to fresh northerly winds. You're welcome. You see, I'm continually bothered by people who want to know things. What is a Tonka bean? What was President Rutherford B. Hayes' middle name? Where did I lose my diamond bracelet? What does Fatsibo Bocho mean? The answers, respectively, are a South American product used for flavoring cigarette tobacco, birch in the laundry hamper in your bathroom under your green, uh, unmentionables. And thank you very much in Russian. Quite welcome, I'm sure. I said it's a little awkward at times. I mean by that it's, uh, shall I say unpleasant? I shall say unpleasant. When I get to thinking about myself, I know all about me. Natch, as Mr. Murray Bullen of Pacific Palisades, California, often says, I am aware that my spleen is two centimeters too high, that I have a tendency to hypertension, and that I shall probably perish of an aortal aneurysm. However, don't let those ailments of mine bother you. I shall not tell you about them in any more detail. It was of yourself I wished to speak. And I hope you will bear with me. As a matter of fact, I know you will bear with me. <laughs> Excuse me, there is a gentleman at the door with a very interesting question. Come in. How do you do, Mr. Perry Bimeforth of Puyallup, Washington? You will sit down. My name is Clovis Feitelbaum. Your name is Perry Bimeforth. You were formerly in the bicycle repair business in Puyallup. You were convicted of barratry in 1934 but released on a technicality. 1947, you broke your right ankle, and last October you went through bankruptcy with liabilities of $83,000 and assets Never of... mind, never mind. I've heard about you. Obviously. But I came here to... To secure the combination of the vault at the Cordwainer's National Bank on 13th Street. Exactly. The combination is... you better write it down. 11 left. Mm-hmm. Right 2. Left 16. Right 24. Left 6. Right 5. And open. Have you got it? Thank you very much. Are there any other questions, Mr. Bympord? How much is there in the ball? One million six hundred and ten thousand dollars, sir. One million six hundred and ten thousand. Well, thanks very much. Any other questions? No, I think not. Very well. Good day, sir. Good day. That chap? Oh, a burglar. He bothered me to death. But I was starting to talk about you. May I go on, please? I know a few facts that I think you ought to know, too. Do you know these people by their descriptions? A tall, grossly fat man with a bald head. An absolutely bald head. Then an extremely unpleasant, deep voice. Just the trace of an accent. Probably six feet six inches tall, weighed about 300 pounds. And a man and a woman with him. Both of them not more than four feet tall. The man, very fat, too, in a sort of unhealthy way, wearing a little black mustache. And the woman, short and dumpy, wears glasses perched on a very sharp nose, has a very red face. Well, they know you. They were talking about you in a certain restaurant Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Does that give you any ideas? Well, think. Please think. Let me describe them a little more. The tall, gross, cruel-looking man wore a tan gabardine suit with a white shirt and a knitted red and black tie. He was eating a breaded veal cutlet. I think it was rather unpleasant watching him. The smaller man wore a blue serge suit, rather shiny blue shirt and a bow tie. He was drinking beer, Pilsner Urquil although he mispronounced it, he called it a quell. The woman has a very red face. It looks as if she'd rubbed it all over. Sharp pictures, kind of modified hollick glasses. Dark gray dress with an ornament that looks like a woman's hand. Rather like the hand of Fatima, but I'm sure it couldn't be that on this woman. A dark blue hat with a cup of Cali feather on it, You know her? Well, she knows you. I wish you'd search your memory. That really is quite important. You must excuse me a moment. Miss Trigasant is coming in with the mail. Come in, Miss Trigasant.
2: Good morning, Mr.
1: Good morning, Miss Trigasant. Uh... The safety pin with which you fastened your girdle when you broke the zipper this morning is open, Miss Tragosanth, and it'll presently stick you in the... It will presently stick you if you do not fix it. That is one of the unfortunate aspects of knowing everything. But Miss Tragosanth is more or less used to my knowing everything. I noticed you start when she addressed me by my name. I am sorry. I should have introduced myself long ago here. We've been sitting and talking all this time, and... I'm sorry, my name is Charles W. Afternoon of Woodbury, New Jersey. Our ancestral home on North Drexel Street in Woodbury is one of the sights of the city. Ah, Miss Tragastan has effected the repairs. She is returning. Come on, Miss Tragastan.
2: Thank you,
1: Jackie. You're entirely welcome, Miss Tragastan. I see you have only two letters today. Take a letter to Mrs. Grover Cleveland McNulty. The Dells Oregon. dear Mrs. McNulty, no. Yours truly. No, Mr. Agatantha, I do not need to see the letters. I know what is in them. The next one. To Mr. Marshall Bird Dog, Albuquerque, New Mexico, dear Mr. Bird Dog. Your great grandfather's name was 13 Thumbs, period. He was a sachem of the Stone Boiler Indians in Upper Athabasca, comma. and was captured in 1812 and converted to the Shinto Faith by a band of wandering Japanese fishermen, period. Paragraph. He escaped seven years later, comma, emigrated to Doylestown, Pennsylvania, comma, and became the father of a large family which later removed to Albuquerque, comma, although your great-grandfather deserted the Apaches near Anton Chico, New Mexico, comma, and resumed his former life as a sachem period. Here's really. There was another letter, Mr.
2: Afternoon, but I lost
1: it. Never mind, Miss Tragasant it was from my Uncle Fred asking for money. Send him a check for $60 and give my best regards to him and Aunt Hilda. You have a cold, Miss Tricasana. I
2: hope I'll get over it. You will. It must be wonderful to know everything, Mr. Afternoon.
1: People either get over a cold or they eventually die from it. I know that you are not going to die from a cold, ergo you will get over this one and all the others you may have, which, in your case, is 14 more before you die.
2: What am I going to die of, Mr. Afternoon? Never mind. Please, Mr. Afternoon. I don't know. Yes, you do, Mr. Afternoon. No, I don't. Oh, Mr. Afternoon.
1: By chance, I shan't have you?
2: Will I be murdered? No. Will it be an accident? No. Will I be hanged?
1: No. Please go away, Miss Tragosanth. Oh,
2: you're a mean, Mr. Afternoon. Where will I die? Will you tell me that?
1: Why should I?
2: Well, then, I wouldn't ever go there, see?
1: Please go away, Miss Tragosanth. There's somebody at the door.
2: Well, I think you... A
1: meanie. Answer the door. I
2: don't hear the doorbell.
1: It will ring. There.
2: Oh. Can I go out and get a sandwich then, Mr. Afternoon? You
1: will, whether I give you permission or not. Oh. Miss Tragesant is going to die of old reading at the age of 81. That man at the door now. That's a policeman. It's Officer Shapiro, an old friend of mine. He's come to tell me that he has arrested the gentleman from Puyallup, Washington, Mr. Bimeforth, you remember? The man who wanted the combination of the bank vault? You thought I was being an accessory to a crime, didn't you? It was quite all right to give him the combination, you see. I knew the police were looking for him. I'd have told him that he didn't ask me. You see, I do know everything. But generally, I don't tell unless I'm asked. But in your case, these people I was telling you about, yes, I know you don't know them, but I do know you've seen them. Separately, perhaps. The tall, fat man with a cruel mouth and the eyes that always seem to be looking over your shoulder and yet never miss a movement. And the greasy little man with a black mustache and the heavy thing in his left-hand coat pocket. He's left-handed, Jim. And the sharp-faced woman with the glasses with the chrome stains on her right thumb in a brand new Corret handbag that has nothing in it but an ice pick. You wouldn't kid me, would you? (laughs) You can't kid me. What are you fidgeting about? You see? Remember this morning when you felt as if there was someone watching you? Tell me something. Did your coffee taste funny this morning? You see? Maybe you do know them, after all. No, Miss Agathans, I don't want you to fetch me a sandwich. She's going out to have a peanut butter and chutney sandwich. She usually has a cream cheese and spam on Russian rye, but she's changed her mind today. By the way, wasn't that door your bedroom open. You didn't close it. No, I wouldn't go look yet if I were you. Matter of fact, I wouldn't like to be you. No, I don't know exactly what is going to happen, but I'll know when it does happen. I find it rather difficult to predict happenings, except, of course, perfectly obvious things like my secretary dying of overeating at the age of 81 and my own demise of an aortal aneurysm, but I'm not sure when that will occur, and your own case. I know that something rather dreadful will occur to you, and I naturally want to warn you about it so that it won't come as a complete surprise to you. There's nothing I can do about it except warn you. Incidentally, the windows in that room could stand a-watching. No, don't look. You might see something you don't want to see. Listen to me. This tall, gross man I told you about, he limps slightly in his left leg. A knife cut. He's unhealthy, too. Has ulcers. The way he eats fried food. But he's quite dangerous. Not a nice person at all. And those accomplices of his. The woman's name is Mamie. Recognize that? Mamie? Mamie? I don't need to tell you her last name, do I? Or have you forgotten it? Mamie and her ice pick? The little man? Oh, he has several names. No, I'm not trying to kid you. I just don't think it's a good idea to tell you right here in front of everybody. Well, oh, lean over here and I'll whisper it to you. One of his names is. You know him now? He didn't have the mustache maybe then, but you'll recognize him by it now. A little mustache, kind of like Hitler's. You wouldn't forget Hitler's mustache, would you? Always carries a book. He had it on the table beside his plate Wednesday night, and the cover got all stained with beer. He's a little sloppy, isn't he? That's Judge Rodney Erickson. He's trying, Clapper Claude Duddy. You know, the gangster they're accusing of putting his enemies in the deep freeze up in Connecticut? Hello, Judge Erickson. No, Clapper Duddy is innocent, Judge. It was his lawyer that did it, Ollie thought. Hang him, Judge. Issue a bench warrant and he'll confess. Clapper Duddy really was in jail in Michigan when it happened. Ollie thought did it. You're welcome, Judge. Always ready to help out justice. Yes, Miss trager
2: There's a man to see you. I know it. Oh, darn. Can I ever tell you anything you don't know? Of course not. This is a tall, fat man. With a
1: heavy face and eyes that don't match, and he's wearing a brown gabardine suit.
2: And he says he saw you in a restaurant. Wednesday
1: night. You will join in, Miss Fragutang. Come in, sir. How do you... I mean, hello, Mr. Dukerat. I want you to know something, Mr. Afternoon. I already know it. My right name is not... Your name is not Amadeus Wolfgang Dukrat, but that is the name you are using at present. It is so. I have a message for me. I will tell you the message. Of course. You are in communication with a certain party. I am? I want to warn you... Get away from that keyhole, Miss Tragosan. You want to warn me that I must not communicate further with this certain person? Party. I'm sorry. Then I'm afraid that I shall have to take steps. You mean kill me? That is what I mean, Mr. Dutton. You will not kill me? Oh, yes, I will. Sir, I beg to differ with you. You will attempt to kill me, but your gun which you are carrying in your hand with your broad-brimmed Texas-style hat will misfire. And Miss Tragesant will call the police, but you'll escape before they arrive. You think so? I know so. No. But yes, Mr. Let's see if the gun will misfire, then. You see?
2: Police are coming, Mr. Afternoon. They'll be here. You'd better
1: run, Mr. Dufraff. Right? Well, for heaven's sake,
2: for a fat man, he certainly
1: can't move fast. <laughs> yes, indeed. Too fast, I'm afraid. The police are arriving, Mr. Agostan. Can't tell them they won't be needed? Yes. Did you recognize his voice? Uh-huh. at your door and you ask who's there and you hear that voice again well by the way perhaps you'd better double lock your door he's quite powerful and this Miss Tragosant that says he moves fast for a fat there's a car driving away quite rapidly down the street I could see it from the window but I don't need to I know who's in it a woman with the sharp features and the little man with a hitler mustache, and the man who calls himself Ducrot. you don't know where they're going. I do. I know everything. I even know why they're after you, even if you can't think why. You could think why if you wanted to time left. It's 5.50, Miss Tricosan. What time is it, Mr. Ashton? No, there isn't much time left. And it isn't far to your place. Besides, they've been there before, you know, and they know all the shortcuts. I think if I were you, I'd put something against the door. You only knew what I overheard in the restaurant Wednesday night while a tall, fat man talked a tall, fat man with the cold killer's eyes and the gun that won't miss fire the next time. And he's taking care of that. I would have frightened you a great deal more if you'd heard what he said to the woman he calls Mamie. A woman with a brand new Corette purse and nothing in it, but an ice pick. And what the little greasy man said to him, the man in the blue serge suit with something heavy in the left hand coat pocket. It frightens me, and I'm not easily frightened. And then, a tall fat man coming to see me, I didn't expect that. Even if I did know who he was when he came to the front door. I know what he's got in his pocket. What the fat man's carrying. A coil of piano wire. And I know what they're talking about. Right now. As they drive along on the way to your house. Don't you know? Can't you figure it out? Don't you know what they want? I do. Think, won't you? No, I don't want to tell you. Don't be obstinate. You do know who they are, all three of them. Don't answer the telephone if it rings. That wasn't your phone. It was mine. It's the police. Just wait a second. Yes, Officer Drucker? Listen, Mr. Afternoon. I hear a fella got away from the boys at your place a little while ago. Tall fella, fat, with a big stitch in the hat. You called the police, didn't you? That is quite true, Officer Drucker. He tried to shoot me, but he escaped. He is in a car with two other persons, a man and a woman. How'd you know? And he ran down an old man and a corporal in the Air Force at the street intersection. The old man's dead. And the corporal has internal injuries. He will survive. The hit and run thing. Yes, I know. Why, no, Officer Drucker. I, I haven't the faintest idea. I'm sorry. I don't know. I had to do that. Now, you don't want the police in on this, do you? Oh, no, of course you don't. door. Now, it's the people next door they're listening to. I think they're getting ready to go out. They don't want to get involved in this. I'm sure I don't blame them, not after what I heard Wednesday night. No, it's too late for you to go out. You wouldn't have a chance. You know that. Time's getting short. If I were there with you, I might be able to help. Why do I say that? I know I could help you. But I'm not there. Call the police. Stay away from the telephone. You feel sick, don't you? I told you about the coffee. Are you sure there hasn't been somebody in your house? I know you don't think it's possible, but don't be too sure. Wasn't there a drawer open when you came home yesterday? The drawer you thought you'd closed. Remember when you woke up in the middle of the night, Friday night, and wondered what it was that woke you up? Sure. Are you frightened? I'd be, I know. Because you don't know what's going to happen. That's why you're not so scared. But I know what's going to happen, and it scares me. It scares me to know everything. You have no idea of all the things I know. Frightening things, funny things, strange things. What dogs talk about and how to make a fisco punch. What's hidden in that cave under Radio City in New York. The beach where Captain Kidd buried his treasure. And how much it cost to put an ad in the London Daily Mail the size hat that Stalin wears what Miss Tragesant wants for Christmas next year, how I'm going to die sometime of an aortal aneurysm, the name of the mayor of Peoria, Illinois,
2: and...
1: and what's going to happen to you? A tall, fat man. A little,
2: sharp-featured
1: woman with glasses. And a little man with a Hitler mustache. And the presents they're bringing you... You do know them, don't you? Come in, Miss Drakosan. You brought the letters for me to sign. Yes, Mr.
2: Afternoo. Thank you. Ah,
1: that'll be all for today, Miss Drakosan.
2: Why, what's the matter, Mr. Afternoo? I don't feel good. You're
1: getting a cold. No. Ah, thank you, Miss Drakosan. You can go now. I'm busy. Yes. I had to get rid of her in a hurry. I've got something more to tell you. You've only got a few more minutes to wait. I I hope you're ready. Listen. There's somebody outside your door now. Listen closely. Listen. Ouch. Look. I thought you were to do. There's only one thing that... Oh, I feel dizzy. Only one thing you can do. They're at your door now. Did you put something against it? breath. I'll tell you what to do. Just take it. Oh, Just take it. Oh, I have to hurry. I told you about that. By the order, aneurysm, I'm afraid.
2: Oh.
1: All you have to do, they're at the door. All you have to do is, oh, my chest. You just take it. Just take it. It's come. It's come.
2: Help try I... Help. Oh, I was just going
1: home, Dr. am I'm, I'm trying to tell...
2: Oh! What can I do? What should out. Too late. Can I get some water?
1: Oh. All you have to do... They're at the door. They're, they're coming in. Just, just take it out. Oh. Oh. I'm sorry. To have got to take... Oh, dear. The door... The title of today's Quiet Free Story is The Man Who Knew Everything was written and directed by Willis Cooper. And the man who spoke to you was Ernest Chapel. And others in the cast were James Goss, Arthur Cole, and Jean McBride. Music for Quiet, Please is by Albert Berman. Now for a word about next week, here's our writer-director, Willis Cooper. Thank you for listening to Quiet, Please. Next week, for all my Irish friends, I have a story for it called Dark Rosaline. And so, until next week, at the same time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. And now, a listening reminder. In just a little while, you'll want to hear the predictions of things to come that will come your way from Drew Pearson. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.